Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an exciting edition of Training Unleashed. We've got a great group of people. Before we get started, I want to acknowledge my sponsors, the C-Suite, C-Suite TV, and C-Suite Radio. They are great partners for the show. I take a special shout out to my listeners. I appreciate all of you. We're going to have a really fun show, really interesting show. Um, we have Captain Emil, and I'm not pronouncing his last name because of it. for me, I'm very dyslexic, but I'm going to let him do that. Uh, he is a captain of an air uh, of an air, of an airplane. He is an airplane captain uh, with the Romanian National Airline, and his author uh, and I assume by now really close friend is also also here, and they have wrote a very interesting book, uh, and I'm going to let them tell you about it a little bit more because it's always best to hear from the author. So. Emil, why don't we start off and let you go first, introduce yourself very briefly, and then we'll have Octavian and both pronounce your last names so that we get that right. And, and, I, and, and I apologize because I wish I was better at pronouncing names. Emil, Captain Emil. Hello. Hello, everyone. Thank you very much. I'm Emil Dobrovolsky. I'm a Romanian uh, captain of uh, the Romanian national carrier Tarom, and I'm based in Bucharest. And for the last 29 years or so, I was, uh, I've, I've been flying for Tarom. For the last 20 years or so, I've been an instructor. And for the last 18 years, I've been a tie-breaking examiner. So I'm the, pe- I'm the person responsible to issue licenses and uh, to check pilots for the, their skill check, uh, for the skill test, um, for lots of other checks. So when you see a pilot in their seat in the cockpit, a guy like me, check them before in a simulator or in a flight. <laughs> yeah, and if you're if you're not happy get off immediately. Um, so it's a great uh, look, it's a great responsibility, <laughs> you know. We have lots of syllabuses for the training, we have lots of things, the books to guide us, but at the end of the day if you are not trust that person uh, the way they perform in the simulator in the uh, day of their check, um, if you don't trust them to fly with your family, you know, it's like the question behind behind everything. If you don't trust them to fly the way they perform in the day of the check, I, you will not pass them. Yeah, what, what makes you actually an amazingly good guest 
is when you think about it, everyone listening here in some fashion is really advocates for training. Pilots, literally, their training is the difference between life and death. And that when we look at training in the United States, unfortunately, a lot of companies look at it as optional. They don't invest in, they don't do it right. Yet, it is actually life and death for their company, right? How they execute in their company, if it's not done right, is, uh, is critically important. So your background and your knowledge uh, and you know the training, all that is perfect for our audience. Uh, Octavian, if you quickly introduce yourself, and I think this is a really cool opportunity to have the writer, they co-wrote the book, uh, but the person who's primarily responsible for the writing, because I think this gives us kind of an intriguing insight. Um, sure. So, Octavian? Hello, Evan. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having us. My name is Octavian Pantish. I've been an international trainer uh, and speaker for 22 years now. And I'm also managing an international training and consulting company operating mostly in Europe, but now with this uh, online world for a, a year or so, uh, working with customers really around the world uh, on topics such as leadership, productivity, and organizational culture. I've known Emil for uh, more than 10 years now, and together we wrote this book, Let Me show it here it's called dark cockpit if we have time we can talk about the title there it's a non-fiction book that taps into the treasure of know-how in aviation not on technical know-how on how engines work and systems work but on the know-how on communication on leadership on managing crisis and translates that know-how into applicable advice and guides that all of us can use those of us who do not pilot a plane but who pilot a team an organization and our own professional careers. So that's, uh, that's it a couple, uh, in, in a nutshell about me. If I may point out, Evan, one difference, um, or uh, you pointed out very well that training is key in aviation because it's a life and death issue. And what you see in terms of training in aviation, and of course, we'll get the chance to discuss it, this in more detail, especially as opposed to how it happens in many companies, is that there are three keywords. Number one, Everyone attends training. It's not just for newcomers, talent pools, leaders. No, no, no. It's for everyone. Number two, it's regular. It's not only when we have the budget or when we have the time or when the manager says so, or what, no, it's regular. And number three, it's on a wide range of topics, not just on the main ones, not just on what's new, but it's on a wide range because the expectations are very high. When we fly, our expectation is that we'll get from A to B safely first, comfortably also if possible. And to achieve that, many, many things need to be in place. And training is a key part of that. It would not work without training. And if I may add, if I may Ooh. add, you know, things like uh, on the ground or for other domains that are not critical, like training, or let, let, me, let me pick one, it's communications. Everybody knows that communication is important. Everybody knows and blame communications for mishaps or things like this. But in aviation, communication is vital. Communication, uh, I have a word that uh, uh, aviation history was written in blood. So for us, communication and training is vital. Uh, the way we communicate, the way that we pass the message unequivocally, the way we um, um, manage to understand each other in a dark environment, looking forward, not validating the message uh, with uh, uh, body language or micro gestures or uh, things like this, uh, the way that the challenge and response is in the cockpit, the way... Um, 
we answer to, to all of this is uh, it's vital. And for us, it's a training. It's a skill you, you, you develop over the years, but also it's something we learn in our training. So every, every pilot every year goes twice the simulator for eight hours. So one hour, one session is for training. The other session is for to check. If a pilot doesn't pass his training session, will not go to the check. But if a pilot is ready for the check and doesn't pass the check, will not fly again. So he'll be grounded until the next exam. So this is the, these are the, the thresholds a professional pilot should pass to fly the airplane. How, how often do they fail? Yeah, but let's just say I, you take a pilot that's been flying for 10 years. Do they get lax and do, do the cause? Okay, so most of the, the fails are for, uh, for the beginners. At the beginning, you're coming from another domain. You pass into, into this new, new, new job, a new environment, yeah. new universe, actually. And you have to confirm. There's no, um, there's no tolerance for, uh, mis- not for mistakes. There's no tolerance for indiscipline. There's no tolerance for a button from uh, uh, SOPs from the standard calls, from the task sharing and things like this. So um, the, f- the main group of uh, pilots that fails, they are the, uh, the beginners because you have to train them into this new universe. And the, the second uh, group, it's the, the, the pilots, maybe, I don't know, maybe five, 10 years when they, they become complacent. Yeah. They now know the, the aircraft. They have the enough knowledge level. The level is good. They have a good skill. Yeah, they communicate well, things like this. They know how to make decisions, but um, they, they become complacent. They don't learn anymore. And um, they are just, as I said, they are just floating. And this is not uh, possible because the minimum mark for, to pass an exam in aviation is 7.5 or 8. In my company, is 8 out of 10. So if you're not above the standard, if you're not... Uh, performing well, getting a mark of 7.5 out of 10, you're not uh, flying the aircraft. You're not uh, anymore in the cockpit. So this makes, uh, this puts lots of pressures, pressure, especially on the instructors first. And you need to standardize the, the training for that to obtain a good uh, standard of uh, instructors and examiners first. And then they put a lot, puts a lot of pressure in, uh, on the pilots themselves. Because um, if you fail, one exam, it's not a big deal, but uh, everybody will know it. You'll be grounded. You have to ref- do a refreshing training and you go back in the simulator again for training and then for a, a check session. So um, uh, you're not getting paid. You're not productive in this uh, period. So it's a pressure. It's not a punishment, but it's a pressure on the professional pilot. Yeah. Do you find it that, I mean, obviously it's mandated, right? It's not an option. There's not a choice. Um, you know, one of the things that I find interesting in, in training is I, I believe in, in, in your training is a little different because it's very much competency training. And, um, but the, the people that are very good at what they do can always be better. And they tend to be, they tend to rest on their success. You, you, you see what I'm saying? So it's, uh, sometimes difficult to get, well, for the lack of a better term, the old pro to want to train. Um, yet getting them sharper and getting them uh, better at their craft is incredibly valuable to a company. Um, 
so I, I guess if I was to put this into a question to you, um, do they, is there, even though it's mandatory, is there resentment or do they, they look forward to it? And do you teach new things every year too? Like, is there new skills that, that come out or is it, I mean, I assume the planes are pretty similar and don't change much, but I could be wrong. The plane doesn't change much, but the SOP operating the plane changes a lot. There are new, look, every mishap, every incident, every accident, God forbid, happening in the world right now, we know that that day about it. And there are um, lessons to be, um, to be learned from that uh, incidents or accidents. And every time there's a change in the SOP, you can change the, the touch sharing in the cockpit, you can change uh, the procedures itself. So it's not uh, that easy because otherwise in 10 years, if you fly the same airplane with the same SOP, yeah, everybody get a little bit uh, com- you know, comfortable. Uh, but as a professional pilot, you're not, not for a minute maybe comfortable. If I'm drinking coffee in my cockpit at 12,000 meters, 39,000 feet, I will, I will drink a coffee, but my eyes, I can have a chat with my colleague. But my eyes are always at the instruments. And the first, because I'm, I'm in a nice, comfortable environment, it's warm or cold the way I want, it's light the way I want, but outside the window, just a feet away from my shoulder, it's minus 70 degrees and the aircraft flies with uh, uh, 450 miles per hour. So uh, any moment something wrong can happen, if you are not prepared for the, the worst every time, if you don't have a plan or if you are not trained properly, because... I can pick every incident or accident in the history of aviation and I will show you there's a, there's a lack of training in that company or the lack of training on, in those, on those pilots. The way they got the license, the way they were, they were trained, the training um, uh, experience of the, of the airline itself, it's very important. So if you want to maintain a high level of training, a high level of proficiency in your pilots, you have to train them properly to train not just the, um, we call them uh, technical skills, but you have to train the non-technical skills, the, their attitude, the way they communicate, the way they uh, building their decisions, things like this. If I may add, um, Please. Um, one way to keep people coming to training and wanting to come to training and not saying why, is to keep it regular. For instance, in aviation, even the best pilots in the world, they know that they're scheduled for the next training in, I don't know, September and then in April. And they don't either. Now, in many companies, training doesn't happen for a while. And then uh, you and I are listed to go to a training. And of course, they, hey, what's wrong with us? But yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong? Why do you have against me? Did I do something wrong that you sent me to? training now if it's occasional that might come to their minds and they and, and then you have to explain no you're actually good and it's for premium it's for whatever but if it's regular then it's if it's like brushing teeth if it's like having the annual or biannual performance evaluations then yeah when is when is the next one the next one is september or oh, final go of course we hope it's interesting but uh, it's not like uh, why do i have to go you have to go because you have to because it's it's a natural part of what you do the environment is changing so fast especially uh, in, it, in these years. Yeah. If I was going to take what I've heard from both of you and distill it into an idea for the audience is their companies need to create a culture of training. Yes. Culture of training is an expectation of training and it's not optional training. It's required training. And that training isn't just about what they functionally do. 
It's also about how they communicate, how they work together. Uh, maybe use the word culture of the organization in terms of how things operate, uh, which I think are great lessons. Octavian, I think it's very interesting you're here, and I'm really happy you're here. What our audience doesn't know is in Romania, you're actually a very well-known author and a successful author. So why don't you take a moment and tell us about the name of the book, which for my audience to say, you know, will surprise you what it actually means. Uh, it's a cool name. And, and why this was so intriguing to you. Yeah. So um, let me make a, a segue into that from our previous point, which is uh, having people come to training, right? Well, of course, you have to make the training interesting. And of course, you have to have a positive association uh, to it. But then uh, the challenge is, how do you make it interesting? And uh, for me, it was fascinating to keep hearing throughout the years, Emil's stories about aviation. Uh, what does the captain do in this situation? What happened and what can you learn? And we, we thought, it, hey, it's, it's very much valuable um, for anybody who's piloting a team or something. So we decided to write this book. Uh, dark cockpit actually is an, is an aviation term. You know, the, uh, the cockpit of the plane is usually uh, dark. It, it has some ambient lighting. The worst thing that can happen is if all lights of different colors uh, uh, appear on the uh, That's bad. That means engines on fire. That, so dark cockpit actually is a good thing. It's when things go smooth and then there's no warning light. There's no caution light. There's no system on off. There's no system. And we said, hey, that's, that's what we want for our life. Whether you work in sales, in finance, in operation, we want things to go smoothly. We don't want a situation like uh, the spring of 2020 when COVID hit and sales dropped and uh, we have to do these things. And the whole book is, um, is stepping into this aviation stories and principles and translating them into actionable advice that people can use. And uh, because it's something new, because it's from a field where standards are high and training is high, it keeps people very close to training. So the challenge, obviously, is to find new sources. Uh, if, if you, of course, if you deliver the same old slide, same old story, same old example that everyone knows, it's no surprise that people don't want to <laughs> come to training. But the challenge is to find something new. And there is a lot of, learn, lot of learning to, uh, to be taken from aviation. It's a super, super huge uh, standard. And uh, what we found uh, when I was inviting Emil to speak to uh, conferences before COVID, I, I, I wanted to be in the room just to feel the room and to, and I was always um, uh, happy that uh, no matter who it was in the room, whether it was managers or new employees or sales or whatever, they were fascinated. They had questions. They had um, interesting uh, things to say. Say, so, hey, this has to be uh, in a book. And today it's available. Yeah. You know, it was interesting when I heard the name Doc, Dark, uh, Dark Cockpit. Cockpit, I was thinking, well, it'll be interesting. They'll, they'll cast uh, Matt Damon. They'll they'll cast Tom Hanks as the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> or me. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, um, there, there are uh, a number of books about aviation, but this is in a way uh, the first of its kind because it's not uh, just a Emil's biography. Here's the be 10 best things that happened to me. Read them over a weekend or over a holiday. It's not a book about uh, principles and uh, SOP, standard operating procedures. It's not a book about accidents. There are many books about accidents that go into detail, detail about what happened and why. But it's a book that 
<clears throat> has the aim on the people who want to be better in their lives, whatever they're doing, uh, and provides them with inspiring ideas on three main topics. One is communication, second one is leadership, and third one is what we call crisis management or how to be in control how to stay in control so it's a little bit in a way it's a uh, it's a mix of things and probably that's why it's doing well because uh, those people those readers who sorry want to read some fascinating stories from aviation they can do that but they have the message right after that they have, here's the learning here's what you can take here's an assessment here's a checklist for you and then for those uh, people who are uh, you know some people are impatient just give me the advice if they can go to some chapters and they'll have the uh, the advice that they can use right away and uh, we've placed a lot of um, ideas that people can discuss with their people if they have a team that they can discuss in a meeting for instance some cases that they can place on the table have the group discuss and then arrive at some conclusions and then say hey by the way here's how it's actually done in aviation what can we learn from that so it's a mix and um, I think we can all agree and all our listeners agree that uh, yeah training has to be mandatory but you 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 have to be innovative and creative in the way you uh, you you involve people and you engage them and you provide uh, the know-how yeah. emil if you could maybe uh out of the communication section maybe share a little bit that was in the book and and maybe an example of something that people listening could use or try with their team um just to, you know a little taste so, uh, as I told you before, in aviation, the communication is vital. So that means that uh, there is no message without an answer. So if uh, you send a message carrying uh, an order or an action or a call to action, you have to get back uh, the, the answer containing the message you sent. Uh, because in aviation, if the air traffic controllers uh, directs you to a point or ask you to turn right 20 degrees, you just, you, you, you never ask, answer, okay, or I will, or Wilco means meaning uh, will comply. So you'll answer turning right 10 degrees. And if you want to be more specific, you go turning right 10 degrees, new heading is 300. So the air traffic control will have information. Now imagine that, that uh, the airspace is uh, limited. If you are in a cube of, uh, I don't know, 30 miles, you can have 100 airplanes in that cube. And that airspace is um, crowded with aircraft flying different directions. And if you have a thunderstorm in the middle of it or, or on the side of it, all those aircraft, they will try to avoid the, the, the clouds using their radars. So they will be all at the same time, not just in that airspace, but in a small uh, corridors. So in case of... Uh, uh, wrong communications, you endanger other aircraft, other pilots, other passengers. So you have to be uh, very quick to pass the message, to acknowledge the message. It says like a challenge and response. There's no uh, poetry there. You have no time to uh, United uh, 755 uh, request. Okay, what the control will say. We say, go ahead. Yeah, And you occupy too much of a frequency or time on the frequency. Just pass your message. Just say what you want and the controller will agree or not, or they will guide you to through a different uh, position. So uh, the communications is not just between the pi between pilots or between the member of the crew, because it's vital to have uh, that tube of metal, you know, pressurized metal with wings at uh, 39,000 feet with people uh, communicating well for the sake of everybody. But you have communication between ground and the aircraft. 
you have between uh, aircraft it uh, you have you have uh, this kind of you develop a skill you know on your screen if you don't see their call sign but you know where they are the way they move so you can anticipate your move but this means that everybody should talk the same language the language of uh, standard phraseology the the, the um, following the rule of uh, the right communication because as i told you uh, every time we know that from our lives in our families in our companies i don't know in what domain but when something goes wrong the first to blame is communication or miscommunication but for us i told you i can pick uh, every incident accident i will show you that at least a third if not more they started with the wrong or with or the mishap started with a wrong communication with a wrong uh, call with a wrong um, uh, message or the not the, the the best time you know well i love the clarity of answering with exactly what they asked you to do so that they know you heard them exactly right because if you said well you in the person you know said you know turn 10 degrees and they and they thought it was 15 you got a major catastrophe so let's take what you just said which i loved i thought it was great how does it apply to regular everyday work i'll give you an example uh, if i may um a manager is delegating something to their staff for instance and then is here here's what i'd like you to do and then a and b and c and d and then at the end in many cases will say um did you understand nobody in the history of corporate world said uh, excuse me no i'm stupid i didn't understand i no probably yeah I, i got it got it boss super 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 and then, you know what the boss says i'll also send this to you by mail now what happens here is that there is one message in one direction from manager to subordinate verbally and the second time it's also from the uh, manager to the subordinate by this email so what can you do as a result of it ask the subordinate to send the confirmation reply back to you. You can say something like, now, uh, we've been chatting for half an hour. May I ask you to just send me a quick email with the four or five bullet points that you'll do after that? Because this way, that is their feedback. You'll know, were they paying attention? Did they understand? Did they not understand? Is the summary good or are they missing the main point or two of the main points or whatever? So in this way, you'll get to see what's in their mind if they do the repeating of the message rather than, you know what, Uh, I'll send you the slides too. No, because it's it's still in the same direction and we still have no uh, response to whatever happened in the mind of the of the other person. So that's that's one uh, thing we can do. And uh, uh, unfortunately, in business or in companies and NGOs, too often the feedback is uh, is superficial. It's okay, got it, thank you. Uh, uh, okay, thank you. No, but let's make the feedback more meaningful. And this also works uh, if we are on the receiving end. So if you ask me to do something, or if you say, Octavian, let's meet uh, tomorrow at Starbucks at two o'clock, I shouldn't say, okay. Okay, I, I, would rather, I should rather say, okay, Evan, see you tomorrow at two o'clock at the Starbucks downtown. Thank you. So I repeated the message. It, doesn't, it didn't cost me too much more time, uh, but at least we now both know which Starbucks, which coffee, what time, and so on. And um, if I may add just one small thing, uh, in aviation, nobody, uh, the communication is impersonal. If I'm, uh, I have 16,000 hours, I'm the tie-breaking examiner, flying with a fresh, new, green uh, co-pilot. And if I don't understand the frequency, there's no... There's no I don't care if he understands better than me that specific message. But if one of us 
the, we don't understand the message. We just call to, to, for repeat. Please say again. And the frequency will be read again, will, trans, will be transmitted again. So we are both on the same page all the time. Because in, in other parts of the, in other industries, if you don't understand, you'll be afraid to say, look, I didn't understand the last part. Can you repeat it, please? Well, I didn't get exactly the idea what you're asking for. Because you can ask for, I want uh, things to be done properly. Okay, but what properly means? What, do you, what are your expectations for me? So it's important that communications to be to be uh, impersonal, to talk about uh, the the goal, to, to talk about what you want, instead of talking uh, or looking for to blame afterwards. Uh, you didn't tell me what your expectations. Uh, what is that? Doesn't mean properly for you. Things like this. Yeah, I, and I, I first of all like everything you're saying, and I would just add another thing, which is. For a leader to be able to be supportive of someone asking a question. So to create the culture that it's okay to say, I don't understand. Because I think what Octavian said about no one says, I don't got it. Because it says I'm stupid and I couldn't figure it out. And, and And I think dead on right. But to, you know, create safety so people can say, I don't got it. Uh, you know, is huge. Um, yeah, because if you create a two-way communication, as Octavian said, you place some responsibility on your employees' shoulders because they are, they are there for a reason. If you want just people to follow your lead and you are being the, like a big leader showing everybody what to do, I'm not sure that it will be efficient. But if you place some responsibility in, on, on people's shoulders, the way, because they are there for a reason. In my aircraft, there's no empty space. If I have a place, uh, if I have a jump seat for a, for a first officer, is he's there for a reason. If I have a, a cabin crew uh, occupying a seat, he's, he or she is there for a reason. There's nobody in plus in my aircraft. So I place some responsibility on their shoulders as well. Yeah, very cool. Um, unfortunately, we are coming to the end, and I think it would be great for people to know a little bit about how they can reach you um, and, uh, you know, how to get the book. Um, you're very clearly interesting and intelligent people, and I can see why you do a lot of speaking. Uh, so maybe talk a little bit about that, too, would be great. Uh, sure. So uh, the web page of the book is Dark Cockpit Book. Dot com no hyphens no dots anywhere and if you go on that page you can download and read for free chapter five of the book it's 12 chapters so you can read chapter five which is quite a nice chapter no obligations there uh, if you'd like to get the book and buy the whole book just go on amazon.com or, or wherever and just enter dark cockpit you'll get the book kindle or paperback you can reach us uh, there's a contact form on the web page but you can also uh, find us on linkedin uh, with our names octavian pantish or or Captain Emil Dobrovolsky, we'd love to be in touch. And if anybody has any questions as a follow-up to what we discussed, we'll be glad to, we would be glad to help. And your website is darkcockpitbook.com. That's right. Thank you very much, Evan. For okay. now, I'm going to ask this question, and it's completely irrelevant to everyone listening, but is it available in Romanian too, or is it only available in English? 
Well, first we wrote it in Romanian. In uh, we launched it in November 2019, and it sold very, 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 very well. I mean, within months before, be, and then COVID came in February 2020. So we didn't not even finish our tour and events, but already about 4,000 copies uh, were sold, and companies were buying it for employees and or for customers, and people were buying it for their teenage kids or for parents and everything. And people kept telling us, "Hey, you should uh, translate it and make it a." available globally because aviation is a global thing and the know-how is globally valid, which is what we did. And the English version came out uh, in June uh, 2021 and is doing very well. Well, that's, uh, I feel honored because I'm right here when we're recording. When, when this gets released and when it's recording at two different times, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's July. So, um, you know, I just say something. Uh, I found the, con- the conversation very interesting. But what I think is really interesting is sometimes you have to be out of your normal context to learn something and that it's easier when you're envisioning something that's not what you do every day to kind of just hit you over the head and say, wow, and apply it. So it it seems like, you know, to me, uh, a a really interesting story from the perspective of, you know, you're in a world where training is an absolute necessity. And I would argue we're all in that world. We just don't know it. Um, so it sounds like a, like a, a, fa- a fast, a fascinating, a fascinating book. Uh, one, which I, which I, I shall now order and, and read, although I really wish you had an audio version because I'm very dyslexic. Um, we'll but, soon, uh, we'll, we'll, we plan to have an audio version before the end of this year. So that's oh, that, I yeah. will probably wait for that. Let me know when it comes out because I, we will, I, Evan. We will. Yeah, yeah. I love listening to books. Love listening to books. So uh, we always end the show with one tip. If you had one tip for our audience, what would that one tip be? Let me be the first. Go ahead, Emil. So, um, if you are a professional and you love doing your job, you you like to perform. So in order to perform well, uh, myself, I have, I told you, 16,000 hours, and I spend more than 6,000 hours in the simulators, full-fly simulators around the globe for different types of aircraft. And uh, I noticed that uh, after a while, when you get uh, to to a good level of uh, knowledge, skill, attitude as a professional pilot, you get complacent. So I, uh, the moment I feel comfortable in a domain, I switch something. I read about something else. I'm reading all the articles about aviation. Octavian opened my eyes in different fields. And uh, I'm a speaker now, thanks to him, because uh, I was doing things uh, uh, technically. I was uh, checking pilots based on the syllabus, which is written, things like this. But now my eyes are open to, the, to a different perspective on my job. So if you want to perform well as a professional, change the point of view, listen and read books, which is tangent, uh, you know, with your uh, job and uh, stay alert all the time, like a pilot. Good, good tip. Octavian, do you have one too? We're going to give people two tips at the end. This is a, <laughs> sure, this is a sure. tip record. <laughs> Mine is one uh, for our audience. If they work in training, they probably have people say, ah, I don't want to go to training. I'm good already. What, what, what do you tell those people? Tell these people the following thing. You're missing opportunities if you're not prepared. 
You cannot anticipate what will happen. Some, some bad things might happen like the COVID, some opportunities, some good opportunities might come your way. If you're not prepared, you won't pursue them. And it's too late to learn whatever you need to learn in the 12th hour. So make training as, um, as, as, as fitness, as brushing teeth, as taking showers, as making it as natural and invest half an hour a day in that. Reading a book, reading a PDF, do an electronic, whatever resources are available, but invest half an hour per day because it, it might be one of the best investments you make. I, to I totally agree. And I've really taken the concept of being a lifelong learner, which is something I've always been, but I never really labeled myself that, as being a requirement of who I ever hire. Yeah. And I just ask people, you know, what do you do to uh, educate yourself? Do you read books? What do you do? And it's amazing how many people do nothing. Yeah, unfortunately. And, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, not just talking about work, but life in general. Uh, the commitment to yourself is self-improvement uh, in all aspects of your life. And uh, to me, you know, look at I run a podcast, Training Unleashed. I believe in unleashing training. I believe in personal growth, personal development. It's, it's hugely important. You guys have added to my knowledge. Uh, I want to thank you both for that. I want to thank the C-Suite TV and radio uh, for their support. And I really want to thank the audience. Um, the show is starting to really grow and, and gather uh, a big audience. And uh, without the audience, I wouldn't have such nice guests as I have today. So thank the audience, and again, thank you, gentlemen, for being here on the show. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.